0: Hey, welcome to episode 37 of Blind Guy Talks Tech. I'm Stephen Scott and today is finally here. We promised you the great Mac debate and that is exactly what we're gonna get into. That is next. Welcome to Blind Guy Talks Tech with your host, that blind guy himself, It's Stephen Scott. Hey, welcome to then, 2nd of March. And uh, with me today, I've got uh, two Mac fanboys. Well, used to be Mac fanboys. Let's say just for one of them. One is definitely a Mac fanboy. That is David Woodbridge, all the way from Australia. On the right of me, depending on which way you look at the world, David. I suppose you're to the right of me. Good morning. Yes, I'm to the right of you. Yes, I'm, I'm always to the right Always to the right, okay. Yep. But, but not with politics, just to be absolutely nope. clear on that. Excellent. Okay. Um, <laughs> also, to the left of me, I have all the way over in Boston. Is that how you do it, Scott? Boston.
1: Yeah, Boston. Boston.
0: Boston. Boston. Uh, yes, I've got uh, Scott, also known as Kayaker. Uh, uses a Mac, loves the Mac, um, but isn't recommending it anymore, oh, which yes. is... Yeah, really, really interesting. So we're getting into a big debate today on the show. Uh, Looking forward to this because, uh, you know what, look, and I want to put some ground rules down for you two, right? I do not want this to become a war (laughs) about which is best or which is bad or any of that nonsense. Let's get into some practical stuff. Let's get into the practicals here. What is good about using the Mac? What's bad about using the Mac? And maybe we share each other, with each other, some tips to get over those problems and maybe even resolve some of them as well hey wouldn't it be great if we all came out and we were all happy imagine if if talking to each other could make the difference
2: i will steady on
0: yeah I know pushing <laughs> a bit I know. Um, look before we get into it uh, just to say um, you know uh, some interesting stuff going on in the world at the minute including the news about OneDrive you see OneDrive uh, is bringing native support to M1 Mac users which is kind of cool Because uh, Dropbox, I think, is kind of falling away a little bit. Um, I got the note from Dropbox that, what was it, that the latest version of Mac was not going to be supported as well, and there were going to be challenges with it. So with OneDrive, they're saying that there will be an M1 update uh, that will allow OneDrive users to be able to use it fully, and it will at least be fully supported. So that's good news. Do do either of you uh, use these products, OneDrive? and? Dropbox? I do not
1: use OneDrive. I do use Dropbox. And I, I think the main issue is I think they're deprecating some APIs for these online uh, cloud storage solutions. And they'll have to catch up. It'll just take them some time. It's, they're big, giant corporations. And it just takes them a while to get their head around new tech because they're slow moving. So yeah. I think they'll be out soon.
0: What about you, David?
2: Do you use all these? I use OneDrive. Uh, sorry, I use um, Dropbox. And it's look, it's been fun so far. I mean, it's the way that I use it, most of my files are online anyway. So I just pull them down wherever I need to, and it works perfectly well. So I haven't noticed any sort of major issues on the M1 Mac yet.
0: Uh, what about uh, the Apple event? Because we were kind of expecting an Apple event to be announced. Uh, but as we put this together, it's, it's not happened yet. What's going on? Come on, Scott, what's yeah, happening?
1: I- I don't know. I expected to see <laughs> announcements about invitations going out today. It's a, it's about a week from the alleged March eighth, uh, uh, and no news, no news. But what, um, what are you there hoping are shortages for? Of I am not really hoping for much of anything. I, I I think if I had a wish, I'd love to see a new new Air, but or a new Mini. Um, but uh, but that's what I would wish for. A, a new Mac Mini or a new Air. I'm, I'm not really an iPad fan as a blind user. I think you're paying for screen. I want. Yeah, I uh, know no. yep.
0: Yeah, blind people don't care about iPads. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so I want, I want small computers. What
2: I want, Stephen, is a foldable iPhone. That's what I want. A foldable iPhone. Oh come and on,
1: why? I want
2: <laughs> because I want one. I don't care if it's useful or not. I just want one.
0: You just want to walk around. Because the thing is, like the foldable Samsung, you get one of these, aren't you? The Z? Was it the Z Flip? Three. Yep. Yep. Um I, I got. I was playing with it in the shop, and granted, mm. it was it was in a store, and it was kind of all wrapped up in security stuff, so you couldn't really mm. pick it up and play with it. But yep. it just it seemed really thick when closed, and I thought well, this is this doesn't seem comfortable. The idea of just sticking yeah. that in your jeans pocket is is nice in a way, but I don't know. It just seemed a bit. I mean, yeah. I I do like the idea of the flip because I love to flip phones, um, mm. but I just don't know if they they need to really really slim them down a bit.
2: No, and I'm also getting the um, the Galaxy Watch Classic 4 as well because it's now got talkback with um, Android Wear, so that's my next stuff that's also turning up this week.
0: So you've decided to buy two pieces of kit that is going to cause you nothing but frustration. Congratulations. Well, potentially excitement. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. I really hope in your case. Frustration. That, yeah, I, I hope. I hope it works for you. But I'm. Um, do you know what? I was going to do it. I was so tempted to just hit the button and buy them because I've been asking Samsung. I know you have too. Uh, you know, send us send us one out. Let's play with this thing. Let's see how good it is. The fact yeah. they don't send it, I'm not putting down no. in any way to the fact that they're thinking, please don't review this because it's all going to go yeah. south on us. I don't think they even think that. But yeah. um, but Samsung ha- is a company that I think has put a lot of effort into accessibility, like directly into it. You know, it's not just like they've just passed on what Google have, has created and, and actually passed that on. They've put a lot of effort in. Um, and, you know, you although can see you, that. Although
2: you, although you do wonder why they've dropped voice assistant for their own Samsung phone. And you and I think, <coughs> excuse me, I wouldn't be surprised if the um, the Samsung TVs also drop voice assistant and they maybe just eventually switch over to some sort of Android TV where and just use TalkBack as well. Yeah, the,
0: the TV thing's interesting because... I got a TV now. It's the M7, Samsung S, M, Samsung M7. This is a monitor slash TV, right? But it's a TV that doesn't have a TV tuner in it. So they, they call it a smart monitor. Mm-hmm. And the idea here is that you've got in this all the smarts of a smart TV. So you can get access to all the apps. You can get access to all the features that you would get, like even AirPlay and things like that. But you can also just hook up a PC to it if you want to. You can even stream a PC to it. Um, hey, it's bizarre. You can even like log in remotely to a PC without even anything connected to it. Uh, there, I think we worked out there were like six different ways you could connect to this monitor without having to plug in a single cable. It's quite yeah. a thing. But the Does TV it part, Airplay? it's got AirPlay in it. Um, yeah. And it's got that whatever the Windows thing is that casts. Chromecast, um no, what's it called? Or the Windows, the Windows, yeah, the Windows the, the one. Windows yeah. one. Uh, I don't know. I mean, who cares, right? No one's using oh, yeah. it. But the thing is, <laughs> um, it's it's really cool because it's got all those features in it, and it's a really smart machine. But the what I found was that the well, it's not TalkBack, is it? Is Voice Assistant or Voice um, whatever it's called? Uh, whatever it's called, like speech I mean, assistant, a voice or view or voice assistant or voice yeah. yeah, yeah. It it works with everything. All the apps seem to work. And yeah, yeah. I saw the other day mm. you put in a. I mean, not well, not every app. I can't see every single one, but the ones I've mm. tried, um, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Apple TV, they all work with it. And I was so impressed by that. Good grief. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I, I think Samsung are doing a great job here. But I see all that, and then I think, yeah, I'm still, I still don't want to buy one of those watches because.
2: So, so wait a minute. So that means you can't get you can't get free to wear like digital TV at all though.
0: So no. If you
2: want to watch your free to wear stuff, you
0: can't get it. No, that's the one okay. thing you don't get unless you can get an app that will let you. Play that stuff mm. in but, but i think see, Samsung quite do have weird,
2: that. because quite weirdly here in australia our audio description is, is only available on our free-to-air digital yes. radio yep. digital tv service you can't get it anyway i mean of course if you use netflix and that sort of stuff you can mm. but if you want to have you know abc here in australia australian broadcasting commission if you want to listen to their stuff audio described you have to have the free-to-air channel
0: It is just so... It's crazy. It is ridiculous, isn't it? It's so Mm. frustrating. It is like... uh, In Scotland, when Americans come here, we like to irritate them by sending them off to chase haggis. Um, (laughs) We send them off into the highlands and say, you need to find the wild animal that is haggis. And it's it's, it's hilarious to watch because they just love it. And, of course, then we tell them at the end... You know, we wait till the end of the day and then we say, you know, it's not really a thing, right? And that's actually what you're eating. Um... Mm. But you know, when we do that, uh, I often equate that to audio description at times because it is—it's like trying to find the haggis. Um, mm. You know, it's like it is there somewhere. You know, it may well have been there all the time. You didn't even know it, but actually, you know, good luck trying to find it. Um, anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Stick around because we're going to be getting <laughs> into the great Mac debate here on Blind Guy Talks Tech, where these two go head to head on the Mac. Is it still a good machine to offer? Is it a good machine to recommend in 2022? Is voiceover as bad as some people like to make out it is? We've had emails in saying, it's terrible. We don't want to use it for productivity anymore. David thinks different, Scott thinks different. We'll get into the debate next here on Blind Guy Talks Tech. Keep your calls coming, keep your emails coming as well. If you want to call in, leave us a voicemail 0204-571-3354 or email hello at blindguytalkstech.com. How does it feel when you stop smoking? Brilliant, I've finally quit. It feels good. I was so proud of myself.
2: I can keep up with my kids now. I feel a lot richer. I just feel fitter and healthier. I feel like I've got my life
0: back. It's an amazing feeling when you stop smoking and you can experience it for yourself. Our range of free support can help you quit for good. From our app to emails, face-to-face support and online communities. Search smoke-free. Better health. Let's do this. Hey guys, this is Blind Guy Talks Tech and I am back with Scott and David today. We are talking all about the Mac and uh, getting into a debate that... You know, we often would have a debate around which is best Mac or Windows or iPhone or Android. And actually, guys, I think there's a debate to be had in iPhone or smartphone versus computer. That's another debate we could have, because a lot of blind people, you know, perhaps who aren't in work, might just use a smartphone for everything. So there's an argument to have there as well. But today, we're not having that debate. We're actually just arguing about the Mac itself. Um, I get lots of emails in. You guys get a lot of feedback and what you do. And the feedback I tend to get is the Mac is good. It's something that's a great system to use if you're blind. But VoiceOver, in some cases, feels like it's been neglected. So we thought we'd get together and talk about this today. And we'll have a a reasonable conversation about this, because I think both of you are going to come with very interesting points. In fact, what I do know is both of you have come with lists. You've come prepared, which (laughs) has never been heard of in this program before. So we look forward to that. Um, I'm going to give the first word to you, Scott, because I think you can start this conversation off for us by talking about the fact that you have said to me, privately, and in some public rooms and clubhouse as well, you've said that you no longer recommend to people using the Mac if you're blind.
1: Yes, I do not. And a little background, I've been using voiceover on the Mac since uh, Leopard, I believe, or one of the very first instances. And in my opinion, Snow Leopard was the peak of voiceover um, usefulness, and that was mac os 10.6 and ever since 10.6 it's gone downhill slowly over time and in the last say three releases i'm seeing for myself that uh, my productivity and the the bugs in voiceover that have not been fixed since 10.6 it's like death by a thousand paper cuts it's driving me up the wall and it's at the point where if i'm recommending a, a computer system for a new user They're going to be experiencing these frustrations, and it's not fun. It's like, oh, oh yeah. It's like that used to work, and here's the workaround on how to get around that. But it's a painful experience for a new user and very frustrating. And I've watched a lot of people try to switch over from Windows to the Mac, and they've had difficulties with it. And uh, I'm at the point where I'm having difficulties with it, and I've been using it you know, all my blind life. (laughs) And uh, I love the hardware. It's just that voiceover has... They've got to buckle down and nail down some some of the basic navigation bugs that exist in VoiceOver to make it useful, in my opinion.
0: Okay, it might be helpful then for David, so we can really get into this properly. Can you outline for us, let's start with just one, one key thing that you are aware of, one key bug that you are aware of that has just not improved or has not been, um, as you say, dealt with properly in the past few years?
1: I would say you want the example, look at the uh, App Store in macOS today and try to navigate through that successfully using the basic default voiceover adjusters of VO, right arrow, left arrow. Uh, You can't do it. Your focus jumps around to the toolbar. You can't interact with things. Your focus is jumping all over the place. And this is the core Apple interface for updating and finding new apps, their App Store interface. The, The simple problem is if you... Navigate if, if I navigate the equivalent in the iPhone will be a flick right, right? So if I'm flicking to the right or navigating to the right under Mac OS and I then navigate back left, I expect to get to the same element that I was just at. And it's not a reversible process under Mac OS anymore. And you can easily see that within about ten seconds by going to the App Store under Mac OS. So okay. that's that's the one navigation jumping focus and not being able to navigate smoothly.
0: Okay, well, let's, let's start there then, David. So, okay, pick up on that then. What, what's your take on Scott's assessment and and uh, example he's given?
2: Yeah,
1: no, look, I, I agree about the Mac
2: App Store. I mean, it is difficult to, to actually navigate it. Every time I go in there, I sort of grip my teeth. And, I mean, I try not to navigate too much in the App Store. I just go find, type in on what I search for, and then I go and interact with the, the, the pull-down list. But it does get a bit messy between that table that comes up, your edit field and the toolbar. So that to me is a little bit on the, the old messy side. Um, it's doable, but like Scott's intimating too, that you've actually got to do a, a lot of work to actually get to where you want to need it to go. Um you, that said, I probably use the App Store maybe every, I don't know, three months, six months. Um, so I really don't use that often. So for me, some of the stuff that, you know, is, is on the buggy side for navigation, I just think, well, I know it's there. I know it's buggy, and I'll just keep reminding Apple that it is buggy. But, like probably everybody knows, you just keep repeating yourself, and hopefully, sometimes it'll get fixed, and sometimes it won't. And at the moment, it really hasn't been touched at all.
0: So you're in agreement with that—that that it isn't. It's not the best example of what VoiceOver no, is. So absolutely not.
2: No, it's appalling.
0: But okay, so that so we have some common ground on this. So. OK, that's good. Well, we're off we're off our flight. I see, we, see, talking works. It's great. Scott yeah, says but, but Scott says, <laughs> but Scott says uh, as a result of this and other issues, and we'll get into those other issues as well, he doesn't recommend the Mac at all. What's your take on not recommending well, what, the Mac to, to blind users?
2: What, what comes back to me is the task that you want to use your computer for. So there is no way on this planet I'd ever recommend a Mac for the workplace, and I'd hardly ever mention it for education. But if you're a home user, and you want to do three basic things of computing. You want to do, you want to email people. You want to do some basic word processing, and you want to do a bit of web browsing. I still think the Mac's perfectly fine for that sort of stuff. It's when you want to get into more things like, uh, God help us, produce word documents with properly formatted stuff in it. You want to access structured PDF files. Uh, poor old Safari. Excuse me. If you want to access certain online websites you're going to interact with, that's where it starts to fall down. But if you just want to do basic computing stuff or you want to, and this is another point I will talk about later on, but if you want to share the common apps between your Mac and your iPhone, that's where it sort of starts being a a lot stronger. But for home use, I, I still think it's a fine computer and the fine operating system still.
1: Well, you said there that Safari had some issues. And I would argue that if you're a home user, one of the things you're going to be doing is browsing the Internet all the time. And I think the the focus and navigation issues and the focus jumping that you – it's basically a WebKit problem. So wherever there is web content, you're going to experience the same issues I mentioned in the App Store with navigation and losing focus and jumping out of the container units. Um, so mm. I, I – I, yeah, I, I see – Are you, are you talking that,
0: there about, for example, when you go to –
1: any web page. Yeah, because I have this. When yep. I go to a
0: web page, I'm just thrown out of the web content and end up somewhere else in the, yeah. the system. Although I will say my solution to that was starting to use the mm. numpad commander. And since, weirdly, weirdly, since using that and mm. using the first, uh, the first, uh, well, one of the options in it, which is just find next heading or find first heading or whatever mm. it says, um, that solved that problem for me overnight. It doesn't do it anymore. But I don't know why. Mm-hmm. makes no sense.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I I must admit, I've stopped using Safari for most of my stuff now. I just use Chrome, and most of the time Chrome because I use a a web based interface for work.
0: Do you hear your can... computer, David?
2: <laughs> what? Because I use Chrome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the last time I used last time I used Chrome was on a an Intel MacBook Air, and I thought mm. it was going to burst into flames. It Ooh. was just awful. I, I haven't tried it on M1. Yeah. I imagine it'll be better. No,
2: I I I I just say to people, look. Be, If you want to access something very basic, go and use Safari if you want to. But if you're going to do something a bit more productive, you know, God forbid, do your banking, for example, then you really do need to use either Microsoft Edge or Chrome because Safari is a bit of a dead loss, really. I mean, even things like CleanFeed, you can't even... I noticed they've got a beta version of Safari with CleanFeed now, but that's almost next to useless. So Mm. I just say to people, look, if you want a
0: web browser on a Mac, you've got to use Chrome. Is there an issue here where the the system itself is part of the problem, but the bigger problem is the ever-evolving web and that, that voiceover maybe is just, isn't being kept up to date enough to to cope with that, to deal with that.
1: There's certainly the issue with the advancing of the web standards and it's becoming much more complex than it was, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, HTML5 and the how complicated the pages are make it extremely difficult to build a model to navigate successfully. And frankly, I'm surprised that it works as well as it does most of the time. <laughs> But it is a computer. It is predictable. You know, these things are specced out. Um, And from my own personal development experience, working with a large company, and Apple in a way is is the same, they have targeted release dates for their software, right? They've got new hardware, and they have to release the OS uh, at particular dates. And that's a hard line in the sand, because if you don't release the OS, you're shipping hardware that can't work because it doesn't have the latest updates. And the bugs that get logged... um, for non-critical systems that aren't supporting the new hardware tend to get pushed to the back a little bit. And uh, we call that the backlog in developer terms. And, and the backlog of bugs, it's really hard and it's to justify going back and fixing those things. And I think that's part of the problem, as I said. It's mm-hmm. death by a thousand you know, priority three bugs that you know have workarounds. But when you're doing a workaround for every task that you're trying to do, it gets extremely frustrating. So I just wish they would just clear out yeah. their backlog of bugs and voiceover. And the other thing, I'm guessing, and I don't mean to belittle the accessibility team, but um, I would imagine that the the engineers that are in the accessibility team, um, it's kind of, you know, they might not be the, the bleeding edge best doing the AR stuff. So the quality of the coding might be a little less than than you would see in other divisions within Apple, I would guess.
2: Yeah the the other thing that I've noticed too and this is a and, and this is to a Scott's point about something's not working properly I was having a discussion with a developer who wrote who did a structured PDF file and unfortunately I made the <coughs> mistake about testing it on a Mac and it wouldn't work as soon as I ran it on a Windows PC with NVDA uh and jaws of course it worked perfectly well and I thought I've just got to keep remembering that when I test stuff um, I can't test it with VoiceOver on the Mac because it breaks so many things that should be accessible, i.e. structured PDF files. Um, so what I do now, and this is why I keep saying that the Mac's good for basic stuff, because I've got to test a new website next week and there is no way I'm going to, my first test run is going to be on a Mac. My first test run is going to be with JAWS or NVDA on a Windows PC. After that, then I'll test on a Mac and then I'll test on, you know, iPhone and Android. But um, I've, I've I've just come to the conclusion now that I can never use the Mac as the first testing point because it's just pointless.
0: I want to pick up on an email that we get from uh, Jane Jordan who uh, sends this one. Uh, she mentioned your comments, David, about JAWS and NVIDIA and the last time you were with us on the weekend edition. And um, she says, you know, for the Mac, I just get tired of getting the busy, busy all the time, or find finder not responding, especially since uh, the latest update that she got on her machine. She says, it's sluggish when I need to navigate my Mac, slow to interact, move out of interaction. And she says, I get frustrated. She says, I've even deleted lots of stuff because I think maybe there's too much stuff on the hard drive, but it doesn't make any difference. So, you know there are issues here, right? And and you're you're not denying that. You know these issues exist as well. You get them as much as the rest of us, right? But you, what I what I think the core difference between you and Scott and, and even me, because I would say I'm in the middle on this, is that you seem quite comfortable with it. You seem happy with the system. And you know, is it just that you're? <laughs> is it just that you're patient? Uh, and you just said, you know what? Okay, fine, whatever. Uh, you know, this is part of the system. It is a bit sluggish at times. It's maybe not always responding the way you would get. You know, Windows can be bad. It's, is that the mindset or is is it just that you found workarounds or you're is that what it is you're just using workarounds
2: yeah look i uh,
0: probably a bit of both i mean I, i'm lucky because I, I can switch
2: between my my windows computer my mac my iphone and my samsung stuff whenever, whenever i need to and i've noticed in um, monterey it doesn't say busy anymore i think it says something weird like um system no it doesn't even say system busy i i, I think it says oh no, that's right it sounds like windows um currently not responding yes so that's probably about so that's to say, a it make one. you feel feel yeah, that makes you feel better rather than going busy busy yeah. um i had the first busy busy on my m1 mac actually this morning i went what the hell do you mean busy busy this is an m1 mac for god's sake mm. and uh so i thought oh well if you're going to do busy busy i'll just i'll just put up with it but look um I think I'm just saying I know the extent that I can push the Mac for my own productivity, and then when it gets to a point, i.e. structured PDF files, web accessibility, then I just switch over to Windows. But if I'm just doing general everyday stuff like mail, taking down notes, doing some recording, editing, that sort of stuff, it's fine. But anything more advanced, no, I have to switch over to my Windows computer then.
0: And that's kind of where Scott's coming from, isn't it? I mean, you're saying that the problem for that is if you're buying a machine, if you're going out there to get a system, you may as well opt for something which is going to give you, you know, let's let's just put it in percentage terms and say that the Mac gives you um, 70% reliability and Windows gives you 80%. You may as well just get the machine that gives you 80% because you know what? Then you're going to get a better machine. You're going to get a longer yep. term reliability, even though it is only fractional.
1: Well, to be fair, I'm not recommending PCs either. How <laughs> <Sorry. Yeah. laughs> the hell are you recommending? What's left? Chromebooks? You know, Seriously? No, well, it, no it's, it's funny. You, you mentioned it earlier. I, I think for a lot of people, my go-to browser is the iPhone browser at this point. I am doing so much on the phone, and it's rare that I have to go to the computer these days. I can do an awful lot just um, on the phone.
0: That, that is very interesting. And I have to say, this is. my wife's the same, right? I got her, I've, I think I'm on the second new laptop I've bought her in I don't know how many years. And she just never uses it. And she'll say, she'll say, look, you know, it's a great machine. I know it's good and it's it's very productive. But she said, to be honest, everything I need to do is on my phone. So what would I need to use a laptop for? That's that's a really interesting thing. Now, I, she isn't doing this, but some people are hooking up Bluetooth keyboards to their iPhone. They're doing it that way. I mean, is that, could that be a, <laughs> take away things like audio editing, take away video editing, things like that, which I think are, are tasks even today. Even if you've got an you know, iPad Pro, I would still say you would still want to use a MacBook for, it, unless you've got full vision and you're able to get the benefit of those devices. But if you're blind, you'd still need a laptop for those, whether it be a Mac or a PC, whatever you, whatever your flavor, right? But for most people, it does seem to me that the phone does everything you need. Um, and I would say even more so if you're blind, right? Because the the whole world is, is there in that device. And, and if you had a Bluetooth keyboard to it, or a Braille device, a Braille input keyboard, even more so.
1: Yeah, I've actually suggested people get a phone with a full-size Bluetooth keyboard, and they can do a heck of a lot of stuff on that phone. You know, if they're doing email messages, it's a lot easier to use a full keyboard. Um, And there's, as you said, there's not a lot of applications out there that you can't run on a phone and you, you hit the ones, the major ones that are better on a computer with the with the video editing and so some of the more advanced audio features. But there's so much you can do on the phone right now that um, I, I personally am only using the computer for, uh, you know, really audio editing and uh, development. So that, that's, and some servers, you know, running server, uh, some server products.
0: Is this the issue, David, that perhaps the size of the blind community who use Mac because I've, I, I, the same thought crosses my mind usually about Chromebooks. I think how many blind people are out there using Chromebooks and therefore who's feeding back to Google on accessibility, who's giving them the information? Because there's probably not that many, in my view. There probably isn't that many because let's be honest about it. It's a new operating system. It's early in its, its uh, function. Um, yes, it's cheaper, but cheaper doesn't always mean better, um, especially in the case of something like a Chromebook where a really low-end Chromebook will not perform well with the ChromeVox speech synthesizer on there. Um, Whereas the Mac is kind of similar, isn't it? It's a small community of people within a small community of people, because let's be honest, Apple sell iPhones, and that's really where they they make their money. That is the the mass market product. It does therefore make sense that the iPhone gets better treatment when it comes to voiceover than the Mac. Doesn't mean it's fair, but it, it does add up. No, look, I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I use is on the
2: on the iPhone as well. And like Scott said, I'll often jump back on my Mac when I've got to do audio editing and that sort of stuff. So I can completely use my iPhone again with my Bluetooth keyboard quite nicely. Um, but, but you're right. I think the the Mac community is so tiny. I mean, to start off with, there's, you know, blind people versus low vision people mm-hmm. and there's Mac users versus Windows. And then when you go to different organisations, I don't know what it's like overseas, but here in Australia... If you turn up and you say you want training on the Mac, then it's finding somebody who maybe uses a Mac or has experience using it because I can guarantee that the chances are that's going to be very minimal. Whereas if you rock up to blindness organisation and say, I want training in Windows, oh yeah, no problem mate, come in. Um, so that's always the issue that finding people to support the Mac is just getting you know, a lot thinner on the ground. And it's not and you know it's not like using Windows where you can go, oh look, you know, use Windows, yeah, it's fine, you can use NVDA, narrator, JAWS, supernova. I'm familiar with all of those, including Windows, but on the Mac it's you know, it's Mac or voiceover and there's no other option. So you almost either know it or you don't.
0: Yeah, yeah it's it's interesting that because obviously like you see, you've got more choice on the Windows side. Um, but you're absolutely right about choice and, and also the the information and resources that are out there. You know, if I go to JAWS, and I, I think Freedom Scientific are doing a great job at the minute in the amount of information they're putting out there, and saying, "Hey, you want to use this application? Then you know, here's a, a full webinar on it. Or you know, you want to do this with your PC? Here's how to do it using JAWS." And I think that's great. And I, I'm seeing a little bit more of that coming from Microsoft with Narrator. Not as much, but it's it's coming. Um, I had the same conference i had this conversation with a guy in a Mac store. Um, manager of a Mac store in Edinburgh, Apple store in Edinburgh. And um, we had this conversation and he, I said to him, you know, if I wanted to learn video editing, could you do that? Could you do that as part of one of your Today Apple sessions when they were in person? And um, he said, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. And I said, with voiceover? He said, oh, no, no, we, no, we, don't, we don't do that. He said, but, <laughs> but, we, but we will teach you voiceover. And I said, yeah, here's the thing. So you've given me the keys to the house and I've got in the house, but every door inside it is locked. Um What do I do next? How do I get in the rest of the doors? I need information, knowledge to be able to get on. Once I've learned how to use voiceover, I now want to know what I can do with the damn thing. Uh, Because you know, once I've learned how to use it, that's great. But now if I want to use Pages or I want to use iMovie or I want to use GarageBand or Logic or whatever, and then go beyond that into third-party apps like Reaper or whatever it is, I want to know how to do this stuff. And... Can you point me in a direction of resources? And there aren't that many. I have to say the best place I go for any resource is AppleViz. That is, and and I sometimes wonder if Apple think, thank god AppleViz is there because we don't have to do this.
1: (laughs) Well, it's an interesting thing because the Apple approach to accessibility is bake it into the system so that every application should work. And I kind of see where the Apple Store is coming. It's like once you learn the basics of voiceover, it doesn't matter what the application is. You've got the same issue. It, it, whether you're sighted or not, you still need to learn how to use pages. It's a complicated application. You can do a hell of a lot of things. But at least you know, uh, if you know the basics of voiceover, you will know how to access menus. You'll know how to access buttons and dialog boxes and interact with text and read read the attributes. That That's universal across anything. It's almost as if you don't need specific voiceover application uh, instructions, at least with the Apple products, um, because they generally are pretty good about testing for the normal accessibility features, uh, so things will work. There are exceptions, of course. But um, I think Apple does a good job with their application and integration with accessibility. It's some of the third-party apps where you really run into issues.
0: David, I want to pick up, because both of you brought lists with you, um, either written down or in your heads or whatever it was. <laughs> well, and I, I just wanted to kind of run through some of that with you because, David, I know you had written all this Was it 20 things you loved about the Mac or 20 things that... Uh-huh. So, you know, yep. give us a flavour of that, because I, I want to hear what, what specifics um, it is you get from it.
2: Well, it's more to do with the connectivity of the Mac, really. So it's the fact that I can um, I can actually use the... So for example, when I plug in the Mac, it makes a sound. So I can actually hear the, you know, when the power's turned on and off on the Mac. The next one is all the connectivity apps that I tend to use all the time. So, you know, so things like um, Notes um the reminders app using siri on both both my iphone and the mac um contacts mail maps uh, notes that i use all the time and it's just lovely because i know sorry that's my other phone going off so i know that i can actually pick up stuff on my iphone or the mac or vice versa that wasn't an iphone david no, it wasn't an iPhone, actually. It was something called the Blindshell Classic 2.
1: Yeah, we'll be talking about that at some
2: point, yeah. Um right. on. Um, that was a little good advertising for Blindshell, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so, and the other one I absolutely love is universal copy. So to be able to copy stuff from my iPhone or, God, I say my iPad um, onto the Mac and, and vice versa. Um, but then I have to check where my teenager is now because they now have a car and they can drive. Uh, We use Find My to just check where all our children are. And because it's on the Mac, i can just pop into Find My or Find People and find out where things are. So that's actually really nice. And I guess because I switch between the iPhone and the Mac all the time, the, the commands that I use on the Bluetooth keyboard are very similar, if not the same, to the commands I use on the Mac. And also the trackpad gestures. So the gestures I use on the iPhone are similar to the ones on the Mac. Um, one nice feature, dare I say, about Safari is the, the read function. So that's where you can strip out all the HTML code and just get the text on the screen. Um, and that's common on both my Mac and the, the iPhone. Uh, which you can do on H as
0: well, which is good.
2: That's true. That's true. You can do on that as well. Um, and the other one that I that I quite often use is get Siri to spell a word because I'm a because I'm a speech user. and I've always been a speech user. I, I sometimes forget to spell words, particularly words to do with groceries. Um, so I'll often just ask Siri to actually, um, you know, can you spell this word for me, uh, which stops my wife laughing at me. <laughs> um, and then the other thing about it is just launching, you know, using a Siri to launch apps. So I'm not going to go to my dock or do a keyboard shortcut or anything else. I'm just going to basically just ask Siri to to launch an app for me. Um, and then I've got the the books as well. So I've got, you know, the books app is on my iPhone and my Mac. Um, the only thing I'd love to use properly, I just wish that I was able to run the Audible iOS app on my iPhone, oh uh, sorry, on my Mac. That would be absolutely lovely, but of course I can't do that. Um, and with the M1, when they did bring out the support for you know iOS apps, I just found it a bit underwhelming because some of the apps work, and of course some of them don't. And I just thought, you know what? I'm not even. Gonna. I I tried out four or five, and I went, you know, I'm a bit over this. I mean, they're really made for. Gestures on your iPhone, in particular. So I just went back to the the iPhone to use these apps. It was more of a gimmick, as far as I was thinking about, because I haven't tried um, using Android apps on Windows 11 yet. So I don't even know if it's going to work with speech or not yet. So it, it's all really about the commonality between what's on the iPhone and my Mac. But like we said earlier on, most of the stuff that I could quite happily do on my iPhone. I mean, there's a few little things that annoy me at the moment the Sensible app is a bit weird to control my air conditioning. So I'm often going onto the website and just sometimes I'll just go and jump on my Mac just to use that website. But really most of the time for checking mails, replying to mails, and that sort of stuff, I could quite happily use my iPhone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is the problem, right? I mean, it's, there are a lot of good things there now. Okay. So that's, that's your list, which is I mean, and more extensive than that. Um, but that is, you know, a, a good flavor of, of where you stand on it. Um, Scott what's on your list.
1: The first one that is the navigation issue that I mentioned where when you're navigating through items on the screen, you know, going right and then moving left should take you back to the same spot. That's the first thing that drives me crazy. So that's number 1 on my list. And my my cited analogy is imagine you're using the the arrow keys on your keyboard and you know, you're navigating through a word and you keep keep going Back and then you loop back to the same word again. You're just stuck in this loop. You 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 can't uh, you can't get out of it. Um, the second uh, major one that I, I usually comes up is um, is with the with the audio and, and this can actually be fixed, but it's it's a feature that should exist. It's the audio ducking on under VoiceOver. Uh, you'll be listening to VoiceOver and then VoiceOver will just get quiet for a minute and then get loud again In that's analogous to like your screen just turns off for a minute if you're sighted and it comes back on. That can be fixed by turning off the feature of, you know, ducking audio. But again, then you have competing sounds when you're listening to some audio and voiceovers competing. It doesn't drop it out. So very bad interaction with that. Um, and my, my biggest gripe that sort of pushed me over the edge right now is the implementation of the Mac Notification Manager which is constantly stealing focus from whatever you're doing. You'll be typing a message in email, you'll be typing something, doing something, and poof. You get a notification and focus is ripped from you and you're stuck in this little space called the Notification Manager and you can't get out of it quickly. Um, and you're sort of navigating there. And the only way to deal with it is to interact or flip apps and come back. That drives me up the wall. And um, I've turned off every single notification for the Notification Manager the system updates that Apple provides still comes comes in and still steals focus and still gets in your way. So those are the thousand little paper cuts that, that drive me then crazy on the Mac that pushed pushed me over the edge. The notification manager was definitely the last straw and that that came out in the last, what, three releases of, of Mac OS.
0: Do you when we listen to what David was talking about, the the list mm-hmm. he came up with there. They're quite broad themes. Yeah. And I think those are important themes because you know things like the universal copy, FaceTime, iMessage. Well, okay, maybe we'll discount FaceTime. That's a bit of a nu- nuisance at times, if I'm honest. But I- ideally, yeah, like, the ability like to answer a
1: call on FaceTime and hanging up on FaceTime. Huh, oh, Stephen, you ever <laughs> yeah, have that one? There's, okay, there's there a-
0: go. <laughs> absolutely no way to answer a call, which you know, we are using a keyboard, which is just ridiculous, right? Um, these are these are really wonderful things, and if I'm honest, that's kind of what pulled me over in the end. Because as much, and I, I still use Windows as well right? I think we all do. We all use Windows. We all use Mac. We all kind of jump between both. But it is about recommendations. And you know, I, I think someone who's listening to all this might be coming away feeling probably more confused than when we started, thinking, well, I still don't really know what side I want to be on on this. And I think that's part of the problem with where we are today. And in some ways, it's, a, it's, an, it's an issue and it's a problem. But in other ways, it's not a bad problem to have because we have got a lot of choice out there. We have accessible choices. We've got Windows, we've got PC, we've got Chromebooks, which are accessible. Um, we, we don't talk about them as much because you know I, I still think it's it's an area where uh, some development is needed. There's also simplicity in it because it's essentially just a web browser. So you know, if there's certain productivity tasks you want to do. You're going to have to go to another machine to do it. The one thing I would say though, and you know, I, I'm going to try and wrap it up here with this. Because I, as I said when I started this, you know, I'm in the middle here. I'm using a Mac, using it every day. I am loving it, but I'm not loving some of the bugs and some of the issues and the challenges. The notification focus, and it's not just notification either, is it? I mean, there are other things that just pull focus away. Right. And you're like, oh, come on, you know, um, it's not good when you're writing a document. It's not good when you're working on something and you think you're somewhere and it turns out to be somewhere else. But you know there are other things I love, like the, the spotlight, you know, which I mean it's so simple. But you know that spotlight and Siri being able to just to quickly access things, get a, an application open, or use Spotlight to find that document I'm working on without having to, you know, open up a, a Finder window or go into Windows Explorer and actually or File Explorer and jump in there and try and find the document. All of this is is possible, but it's just that sometimes the Mac I think just gives you a little bit more ease. Of use, I I used I used to say years ago that using a PC was driving to work on a Monday morning in the pouring rain in Boston. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just guessing. I'm surmising what traffic is like traffic on Monday. Traffic is bad. Yeah, I'm guessing that. Right? So, you know, that's 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 the PC, and in and using a Mac is like driving through California on a sunny Sunday with the top down. It's a beautiful day. You've got the tunes on, clear road ahead of you, blue skies, ocean front, gorgeous. You know, both journeys take you to a destination, but you feel very different when you get there.
1: Hmm.
0: And that was often my analogy for the Mac and the PC. And I have to say, that was maybe the case when I had more vision. I'd say they equally frustrate me now. But um, I think there's a lot... I will say one final thing on this. I think that there's one... Key problem with the Mac, and we've both, well, three of us have identified this, is resources to learning. And what I want to do is I don't want to end this debate here. I want to continue it, and I want to get into, and I'm going to put this together. I'm going to get a list together of the top things you need to know when you're blind and you're getting used to a Mac for the first time. So, for example, navigating that Finder window, Mm -hmm. that can be a challenge, and if you don't know what you're doing. And I remember remember in fact you remember this, Scott, because you and I, Garth as well, we got together for the audio pizza show one day. And I think we had to delete half of it because I got a bit <laughs> wild. And um you know, I was like, This is just terrible. It's a horrible system. I can't get used to this. Why would anybody want to use it? And then, you know, you were like, Yeah, but you just do this or you just do that and you you know, you learn these commands and you figure out a way of doing it, put it in list view, not column view, you know, things like that. Um because that could be a debate for another day. But it is that, you know, just just these things that I learned made the whole process so much easier, meant I knew where I was. Um, so I think that it's all about learning. It's all about knowing the tools. I mean, like I say, Numca- Numpad Commander, for me, changed my way of using this Mac. I feel so much more confident. Actually, I've become so reliant on it that when I took my MacBook out one day, I was like, what, what do, I, do I navigate this? I can't use it anymore. I'm going to have to get back to using VO keys. Okay. Um, I think there's so much we can learn and so much we should share about that learning. But I think it's it's also about feeding back to Apple, isn't it? It's about us telling Apple about these problems and hoping that they'll implement them. I think final word from you two on this, should Apple focus less on new features going forward, say for the next two releases, and actually focus on fixing the bugs that already exist in VoiceOver and maybe just try and upgrade that experience for all of us instead of bringing out nice new features, which are lovely but, you know, not essential. David?
2: I think they should do two things. I think they should work on existing bugs and bring voiceover up to what JAWS, NVIDIA, and the Randy can do already. So, I mean, my big one is, you know, professional word processing and accessing structured PDF files. They're the two huge areas. So besides that nasty notification thing that keeps dragging you off your focus... It, it, the, the, there's no excuse now why voiceover can't be seen as to be a comparable screen reader to a Windows platform, and it's not anymore. It's, you know, maybe five, six, seven years ago it was. But now with the websites getting much more complicated, we're expected to produce proper professional-looking documents uh, and access more and more PDF files, then Apple just can't make an excuse anymore that, it, you know, it, it sort of works. Well, sort of works, but it's not good enough anymore.
1: I think Apple really needs to take Step back and address some of those critical issues that are basic navigation issues um, to make the experience more pleasant for most of its users. But um, you know, it, it's tough. I'm not sure if VoiceOver on the Mac will ever be up to the the Jaws analogy because I, they're two completely different um, metaphors. Jaws is definitely customized. It's it's almost a hack, and they're doing application specific tweaks to sort of jump in and and make the experience better, whereas Apple has sort of done this broad thing like, if you code the right way, everything should just work. Um, So I'm not sure we'll get parity between JAWS and voiceover, but voiceover definitely can come a long way to make it a better experience. Uh, But that will also require application developers to get on board and support accessibility and make it a priority, just like they should be doing with security. I always say security and accessibility are two things that you need to think about from day one. And um, I think more developers need to take a closer look at accessibility and that will improve our experience on both Windows and Mac. That's
0: it from us today. Uh, Scott, David, thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate this. What a really interesting and thought-provoking discussion you both have had with me here, and uh, I think you know we're going to get a lot out of this. I am, I am excited about the future here because you know, as a blind guy myself, I I sit here and I I am continually terrified that something is going to happen to my computer that is going to make it completely unusable to me, and I am screwed beyond belief, and I have to rely on all my editing being done by Sean Priest, and that's terrifying. Uh, So for that reason. (laughs) <laughs> I need everything to work, uh, but no, seriously, uh, things are going things are going good. We, we've got a lot of challenges, but you know we have good choices, and that's the key. Uh, guys, thank you so much for coming on, David. Of course, you've got the IC podcast. You're on Talking Tech on Vision Australia as well. Uh, people get that from the usual podcast places, right? Yeah, indeed, absolutely, and on Vision Australia radio, which is uh, what uh, mm. the show broadcasts on, which is brilliant. Uh, Scott, we can listen to you on Audio Pizza,
1: correct? We put out a couple podcasts every once in a while when we have something important to say so look for us there on audio.pizza available at your favourite podcasting platform.
0: Um, I've not forgotten the comments you made about my show (laughs) on that episode most recently I'll not forget them and I don't mean that in a good way Uh, (laughs) (laughs) guys thanks so much for coming on we'll be back tomorrow thanks for listening